Welcome to A World on Fire Season 2. And I am here with a guest making his triumphant return to the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's been too long. Uh, Sean Ross, how are you, man? Hey, man. And thanks for having me back. Yeah, I, I had to, to take a little hiatus just from some life, good life stuff, but just from life stuff. And uh, and I missed talking to you. And um, I'm excited for today. I, I, you know, I love the show. I love getting to listen to you and uh, and Martin and everybody and uh, Ross and and uh, so it's it's fun. I, I listen and I listen jealously because I'm like, oh, it would have been fun to talk about that. Oh, it would have been fun. And then you reached out very kindly. And uh, I'm really excited about who we're talking about today. Yeah. When I reached out and you were like, yeah, yeah, let's do something right away. My brain started, uh, you know, uh, cooking. And it's like, what can we talk about? Because there's obviously plenty of Earth 2 characters to talk about and Earth 1 and Earth 2 crossovers, which is mostly what I've been doing lately with, uh, you know, like you said, Mart and Ross and even uh, Terry mm -hmm. jumped in there with a, a Green Lantern. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what? There are some, you know, uh, Earth 2 characters that have some like solo appearances. Let me look for those. And uh, the first one that kind of popped into uh, my uh, brain here and like on my uh, computer screen was uh, Showcase uh, number 97, which is a, a Power Girl issue, right? Yep. Yeah. She is, uh, she's jumping through the cover. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, an awesome cover and fists of fury and, uh, uh other attributes as well, uh, <laughs> leading, <laughs> leading the way for, for Kara. But, uh, yeah, this is really her first, you know, kind of, you know, solo action outside of the, uh, all stars, you know, the, the showcase justice society, you know, all star squad or all winners squad that reboot from the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. This is really cool. I mean, I don't have a ton of knowledge about power girl and really I'm thinking her first, uh, the first time I ever read anything with her was probably those, you know, like you said, that all star comics, uh, JSA super squad revival there in mm -hmm. the late seventies. What about you? What's what, when did you first run into her? So I first ran into her in justice league of America, 221 to 222 which was the last sort of pre-crisis, well, one of the last pre-crisis crossovers with the JSA and the JLA. And, you know, I, I'm sure people who listen to the show know, but just in case, you know, the, the Justice Society of America and the Justice League of America used to team up every year. There used to be an Earth-1, Earth-2 crossover. And those are just some of the best stories ever. And, I, you know, you've covered many of them on this show. And, and so I first encountered her you know, Jerry Conway and, and Roy Thomas wrote the issues. I think Roy actually may have written the issues. And, you know, Chuck Patton was on art. and They were George Perez covers. And I remember her first learning about her as the girl who flirted with Firestorm on the JLA satellite. Mm. So <laughs> they had a whole flirtatious thing going. I did not. I was super young. I did not have any any idea at the time that she was the Supergirl analog for Earth mm -hmm. 2. And so just thought she was a cool you know, kind of brassy, you know, powerhouse of a character. But I loved the simplicity of the look. You know, I loved her, you know, how kind of um, forthright she was. And and I don't want to say aggressive because I, I there may be a connotation there, but more just like really knew what she wanted and kind of went for it. And so I've been a big fan of the character ever since and, you know, have followed her, you know, post-crisis through some some wonky eras and then have gone back and filled in, backfilled some of those pre-crisis uh, stories because those are, are definitely my favorites. Awesome. Yeah, and like you were saying about the cover, I love this cover. It's oh, uh, yeah. by, by uh, Joe's Staten and 
Orlando. And yeah, it basically yeah. is a uh, power girl blasting through a cover of uh, all-star comics. And uh, I love the logo and there's a little uh, exposition that, that says exploding in her own action packed series and really, really cool comic. It's a, a black background. I'm looking at it on the uh, DC app here. So there obviously could be some, you know, minor differences with the actual issue, but uh, I know you said uh, you have the actual issue, right? Yeah. I've got the floppy in front of me and uh, it is, it's such a great cover because it's one, it's an interesting pose because you don't usually see female characters as the powerhouse kind of blasting through and towards you. And you know, you have this giant blue fist coming your way. And then one of the things I think I took to kind of immediately with her, you know, depending on who the artist was, I've always liked when artists depict her as really muscular, as really mm -hmm. athletic. Like, like she, you know, it, they, they do this with She-Hulk as well sometimes, right? Sometimes you get the artists who depict a petite She-Hulk and you're like, she's a Hulk, you know, like she should be, mm -hmm. you know, pure muscle. And I love when Power Girl, and this happens in this issue, is very, very athletic and, you know, really full figured and, and, uh, you know, curvaceous. And, and it's just a, it's just a really cool look. And mm -hmm. it's a really nice visual signifier that like, oh, she's the powerhouse here. Like, and, and in, in that, you know, JSA super squad, she is the powerhouse of that team and there's no denying it. Yeah, I was going to actually bring this up too, like when we talk about the splash page, but since we're on that subject now, I will bring this up too because I really did notice that. And like you said, it's not that she's she's very athletically built. And mm -hmm. for any younger listeners or listeners that, you know, uh, weren't, you know, aren't in tune with uh, early 80s, even 80s, and then especially but uh, 70s, when you looked at the popular uh, female figures like uh, actresses and things like that at the time, a lot of them were very thin. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of feel like, you know, they, they, they took a bit of a chance here in, in drawing her more shapely, you know, because that's not what was in the zeitgeist. And I, I really enjoy that about this. Yeah, and it's, it's a nice kind of throwback feel to the more buxom beauties of like the 40s and 50s, you know, where, mm -hmm. where that was a a standard of beauty. And, and definitely that's what they're going for here. Like she is, you know, again, full figured in, in an, in an awesome way. And and I love how athletically it's hard to say she's depicted and, and the cover's especially cool because Joe Staten and Joe Orlando are about as far apart as artists as you can get. Like, mm -hmm. like Joe Orlando is the like black pirate part of Watchmen, you know, that like, that's what I think of when I think of Joe Orlando is like, pirate art like really detailed dark you know kind of house of mystery house of you know secrets mm -hmm. yeah you know really really uh intense almost like alfredo alcala like yep. swamp thing style art and joe staten is as cartoony as you can get i mean he's you know chip the the chipmunk green lantern artist like and so <laughs> the two of them together actually really complement each other well because you get you still get staten's sort of dynamism but orlando grounds it a bit and and because for me staten is always an artist who gets when he gets too cartoony i struggle with his art and i really like how much orlando seems to kind of ground him especially in facial features yeah absolutely like yeah too like i think you're spot on too with the the decades of how she looks like she looks like you know again Anybody that's, you know, maybe a little bit younger, uh, go to the Google machine and put in like Jane Mansfield exactly. or someone like that. Yes. That's what they're evoking here, where at the time 
and uh, I'll use this this show because this was a big show. Uh, Charlie's Angels. I, I love that show, mm. but those girls were very thin girls. Oh, they were yeah. shape, shapely, but they were very thin. And I couldn't imagine a, a, a comic book a, a female of that uh, body type or stature in this book. You know what I mean? Like Power Girl to me, she looks like Power Girl. Like, yeah. don't mess with her. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And also, I like how visually different she is from Supergirl because – Yes, she's got the blonde hair, but Power Girl almost exclusively has like a short kind of bob blonde mm-hmm. hair, which in me for, for me always distinguishes her from from Earth One Supergirl with those longer hair. And mm-hmm. Earth One Supergirl, you know, again, depending on the era and the art, but pretty much is the maid of might, you know, like is mm-hmm. is a, a, a much kind of daintier body style and even even a somewhat daintier hero, again, depending on the era. And that is not what they are doing here. They are like, no, no, this is not Earth One Supergirl. This is Power Girl. This is a woman who's not even going to take her name from her famous cousin. She is her own person, and she is you know, going to make her own name. And again, I think that's what's always really drawn me to her. Is And it's one of the things, even though I love Supergirl as a character, one of the reasons I've always, in, in some ways, kind of had a, a more fondness for Power Girl is I've always seen her as as more separate from Superman than Supergirl is from Superman, right? You know, and not oh, just yeah. because of the name, but in, in almost every way, she is her own character. Though, interestingly, in her most recent appearances, I mean, going back like two weeks at this point, she's, you know, she's kind of, she had a special recently. They are mm. tying her more directly back to the Superman family, but I really like her as her own kind of entity. I think it's really cool. Yeah, she's she's definitely her own character at this point in cover dated February 1978 for sure. And, yeah. and and like you said, I like that. It's it's really cool to have her just doing her own thing and not being tied down to that. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, let's uh, let's dive in here. So like I said, this is a showcase 97 uh, cover dated February 1978. And interior wise, uh, we have uh, Paul Levitz as our scripter and the uh, same team as uh, the cover, Joe Staten and Joe Orlando on the pencils and inks, respectively. And then we have Jerry Serpy colors and letters by Ben Oda. And uh, there's just a, a quick little uh, two-sentence uh, synopsis here on DC Fandom that I'll read. It says, uh, fail, uh, foiling a robbery attempt, Power Girl is inundated by reporters. Fleeing the scene, she refuses to answer reporter Andrew Vincent's questions about her origin and feels that she doesn't fit in on Earth. Leaving Vincent alone, he stumbles upon a powerful artifact that is somehow related to Power Girl's origin which takes possession of him and leads him to attack Power Girl. So, all right, well, that uh, points us in the, the right direction here. So let's start out with this splash page. I kind of already, you know, uh, referenced it slightly where, you know, it's a really good page. The artwork is fantastic. And uh, why don't you uh, wax rhapsodic about this? <laughs> Look, it's, it, is, it is a fantastic splash page. The angle of her coming in, swooping into these criminals in the midst of a crime – it does a lot of work. One, again, her body is super athletic and powerful. And we should talk about, and I, I'm already regretting this, we should talk about the elephants in the room. Uh, the, <laughs> you know, that, that Power Girl historically has been known as a very buxom character. And, and that the origin of that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Wally Wood, the the famous comic book artist, but also you know famous for his art in like Penthouse and, and other sort of more mm-hmm. gay magazines. Um, Wally made a personal challenge with this character to sort of increase her breast size every time he drew yes. her. 
And finally, somebody caught on, an editor caught on. I don't know if it was Julia Schwartz or Paul Levitz or I don't know who it was, but they were like, hey, Wally, like, cut it out. But by that point, she was a buxom character. She was going to be from then on, which is there's no problem with that. But, you know, what people have have talked about historically, you know, she usually has a, a circle sort of where the Superman symbol would be, you know, a, and some people called it a, a boob window for lack of a better term. <laughs> I don't I don't know what else you would call it. And, you know, the different people have sort of addressed it differently over the years. I, uh, Jeff Johns, I think, did a yeoman's work. He really he really tried by saying that, like, she never really felt in like like she belonged on Earth and she didn't really belong in Krypton or with her Atlantean origin that would come post crisis. So there's like a, a sort of a pending symbol there. Like she's looking for where she belongs and that's why it's a hole, which is mm-hmm. metaphorically really cool. I also like a couple of writers who've just been like, she's like, well, if their eyes are there, they're not seeing the punch. And I'm like, you know what? Cool. <laughs> like I'm good with that too. So, um, but in this case, this is this costume is not that costume. It's you know similar. It's the sort of white bikini with the red cape, blue gloves, red belt, but it's just low cut instead of having the 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 boob window. And so I do think it you know we should sort of draw attention to that. But I also think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, like the art in this is not prurient. Like they're not I, they're not shying away from the fact that she's a a you know an attractive you know fit buxom woman. But I also don't feel like they're lingering on it. I don't feel like I'm reading a, you know, a 93 image comic here. I, I feel like I'm reading mm-hmm. a comic where people are like, OK, we get it. She's really beautiful, but we're also going to have you see how strong she is. Like, what do you do? You, do you agree with that? Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. They they draw a beautiful figure, a beautiful woman, but it's not at no point does it intrude on the story or is it the point of, yeah. you know, of her being. And, and that's great. I, to me, that's this is. I feel like this era is, you know, when comics kind of started turning in that direction. And then, like you said, come the 90s, it completely swung back around <laughs> in, the, in the other direction again, where it was like, hey, you know, uh, the, these female superheroes, they're not just a, a window dressing. They yeah. are they're, they're not just something to, to ogle. Uh, they're they're actually, you know, right on par with the men. They can. And I mean, it, just in this story alone, it's not even what is it like a 17 page story. She like mops the floor with everybody in her way. Which oh, yeah. I, I do like that because, you know, we're not really going over it. But in the very next issue, she does struggle a little bit with a, a villain that comes along here. But when it comes to just your, you know, garden variety, you know, laser pistol or gun wielding and a crooks, they are literally no match for her at all. It's like she doesn't even break a sweat, really uh, taking these guys down. And I love that. And the other little bit of storytelling, they don't draw attention to it. But the other little bit of storytelling that's really nice is at this point, she can't fly. She's she's like Earth One Superman, you know, able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. He he could not fly. He leapt. And so she's she's a leaper. She's not a flyer. Now, you know, they get a little fast and loose with that, with how it's kind of like the Hulk, like how well they're able to control their leap and landing Mm -hmm. gets very creative in some ways. Like (laughs) gravity doesn't work like that. But but at this point, she can't fly. Now, later on, they'll just kind of hand wave it away. But. The way she's bounding in, she's bounding in because she has leapt into this scene. So I thought that was cool, too, because I was like, oh, that's a nice little bit of continuity that she's, you know, leap tall buildings at the single bound, not a flyer. Yeah. And just one thing going back to you saying about Jeff Johns trying to handle the boob window thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that is a great way to handle it. But I also I didn't read the comics because I don't read a ton of newer stuff. And I know you should probably be able to verify this, but I'm pretty sure didn't at some point. 
it may have been the team of Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, yeah. right? A bunch of Power Girl, and they kind of, you know, made light of it. Um, yeah, I, I think it looked like it was handled pretty good that way too, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that when I said the uh, a writer at one point, I think I was thinking Palmiotti, Palmiotti and Connor, because uh, Connor, her art is amazing, and her characters are always really buxom. So Power Girl was a natural fit. And yeah, they were the team that was like, when people were like, you know, I, I don't remember who calls her out on it. It may have been Huntress because they have sort of a historic friendship, calls her out on like, hey, that's a pretty revealing costume. And she was like, yeah, their eyes are down here. They don't see the, the punch coming, which mm -hmm. I was like, like more power to you. That's awesome. Like that, I, I thought that was great. I actually, as metaphorically resonant as Jeff Johns's explanation was and as, as like thoughtful as it was, I prefer a power girl who's like, you know, my, hey, buddy. The fist is up here, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah. To, I would, I would prefer that way for it to be handled as well. And again, with, uh, uh, somebody like Amanda Connor, uh, she's a good looking lady too. So I'm sure she oh, yeah. kind of, uh, th this character kind of resonated with her as well. So she was, you know, th that was a fantastic team, uh, for that book. <laughs> also, we just, we just have, we've hit this kind of interesting place as a society where it was like, you know, things, things got a little too, broken back pose for female characters and you know mm -hmm. every camera char female character has a thong and it's like wait what and you know like we did get way too into that you know and we kind of swung the other way and i do think we've come to because i think about leah williams leah williams is one of my favorite current writers and she is a is a full-figured beautiful woman and and does not hide away from it and uh, she's writing Power Girl right now. She wrote the recent Power Girl backup in Action Comics and then the Power Girl special. And then there's like a Power Girl miniseries coming out. And and Leah Williams is really like unafraid to have Kara just be this like bulldozer, you know, kind of, again, brassy, you know, like, you know, powerhouse. And mm -hmm. I like that. I like that we've kind of come back around to, hey, it's cool. Like, like it's, it's you know, let her have a boob window if she wants a boob window. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. She's no one's objectifying her. It's all you know, it's her choice. It's all good. Mm -hmm. Yep. She's comfortable with it. So that to me is the end of the story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this she is kind of like, uh, like you said, not flying in really, but uh, 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 bounding in from uh, some other location on these crooks where uh, there, there seems to be a leader type guy with this funky vest on mm -hmm. and his minions have these almost spacesuit, you know, type uh, outfits on. And she just jumps in and starts pounding the crap out of them. And I do like this about her character as well, because I don't know if you really saw this much with a female character at this point either, where she's she's very quippy. She's very Spider-Man, but, you know, she's she's going to pound on you. I, I, I like that about her. I feel like that was something kind of unique for this uh, time period, 1978. Yeah, and it's one of my my favorite things about her early appearances is that rivalry she has with Ted Williams, um, with Ted Grant, sorry, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Wildcat, where he's the sort of 40s boxer, you know, real, you know, you know, pug nosed, rough and tumble guy. And she just comes in and is like, oh, you're so cute in your little cat costume. Like, you know, <laughs> she really gives it to him as good as she gets. And so yeah. I, do, I do think, again, you know, they were sort of and it's funny to, you know, comics as artifact of time is always really interesting because this book's coming out right around when Miss Marvel is getting her own book at Marvel. Yeah. And it's a uh, even on the front cover, it's like women's lib. Like, you know, it's 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 really mm -hmm. funny. You know, Stan Lee does women's lib is goes about as successfully as you would think it would. <laughs> and um, it is funny, though, to see, you know, cultural shifts reflected in comic books, 
because yeah. the pendulums always swing way too hard, right? Like they're mm-hmm. like, hey, let's do a women's lib character and let's just make her like this like brute who destroys these men, you know, and is is really horrific to people and is rude to every and it's like, whoa, you know, you can you can be, you know, all for women's liberation without necessarily having to like just be a you know bull in a china shop. So it's just it's funny to to kind of compare those characters. But I mm-hmm. do the thing I love about the art in this book, and again, it's Staten and Orlando are a great team, is my 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 sort of gauge for great art in a book is do I even need to read the word balloons to know what's happening? And yeah. and in this, not at all. I mean, she is just beating these men down and her facial expressions, she's having a blast. Like she is mm-hmm. loving it. And these guys are are not. <laughs> their facial expressions <laughs> are like, oof, like she's just punching the smirks off their faces. And it's really cool to see, like you said, this kind of scene where you know, she is just mopping the floor with these guys that, you know, she she's in no danger, though inadvertently a bullet bounces off her off of her, and, you know, puts somebody else in danger for a moment. But it is it's really, again, a, a cool opening. So if you're a, if you're a kid buying this off the spinner racks in the 70s and you miss the super squad issues and you're like, who's this character? It's a great introduction to who she is. Yeah, it's great. And I love how at one point, too, on page two there, she uh grabs like a conveyor belt, uh, the metal yeah. part of it, and kind of like wraps it around the guys like a lasso, which is really cool. And I'm not sure on that same page, uh, there's a, a more like a, a horizontal panel where it's like a close-up on her mm-hmm. face there. She really reminds me of someone from movies or television, maybe from that era or before. And I can't think of who it is, but just her face looks like maybe a little bit of photo reference there. And I can't think who it is. And it looks fantastic, by the way, the art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That facial expression is great. But I think you kind of said it earlier, kind of a Jane Mansfield, like, you know, why don't you come over and talk about it, hun? You know, mm-hmm. kind of a, a a coquettish, like, you know, just again, really. And that that facial expression is fantastic. It actually reminds me of Ramona Freyden, like, super oh, yeah. Friends, um, yeah, kind of art, you know, it, it, and it's it's just really wonderful. And then, the you know, the mook that she hits with the conveyor belt. I mean, he's like his lips look they're flying off of his face because she just belted him <laughs> so hard and and it's it's again really fun and it's fun to see her because i you know going back i was telling you as we were getting on the call i hadn't read this book in like 30 years mm-hmm. in fact i I honestly had forgotten i owned it i hadn't read this in 30 years i, I mean I, I got it in like a quarter bin in the you know early wow. 90s yeah oh yeah like i you know like no one cared about power girl back then and so in reading it again today, I have all these decades of history with her. I have the the Diet Coke incident from jo- Justice League Europe. I don't know. Are you aware of this at all? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, where crazy. she's been really aggressive and mean and moody. And, you know, the the writer of that book makes the decision <laughs> that it's because she's drinking Diet Coke and it's messing with her hormones, <laughs> which is just, I mean. I'm when, surprised and, he didn't get sued. <laughs> uh, well, he he would go on to do much worse things. So, oh gosh, um, oh. yeah, yeah, he's not. Oh, I'm not even saying his name. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's that, and then there's, you know, post crisis, she gets this Atlantean origin, which is actually really cool, but it just peters out in a weird way. So there's all there's like messing about with her yeah. until Jeff Johns finally comes back around before Infinite Crisis and is like, no, she is the Supergirl of Earth too. We're doing this and, you know, kind of brings her back to to where she started. So it's really funny to read this very straightforward comic that's really only interested in setting up who she is as a person, 
how she's different from Supergirl of Earth One, and then some mystery about her, you know, that to get readers to come back. It's funny to kind of see that lens and go, gosh, they had a, a really clear idea of who she was from the start. And it took us about 30 years to get back or, you know, well, actually, yeah, about 30 years to get back to that <laughs> 20 mm-hmm. years. maybe. And I do feel like Staten and Orlando are having a little fun here with that bullet ricochet scene, by the way. Oh, yeah. There are big ricochets right off her boobs. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> goes, oh, yeah. Goes towards some old man. But she's fast enough to then zip right over there, you know, like super speed and kind of like catch the bullet before it hits the guy. And, you know, while she's doing that, these uh, crooks kind of escape. But she goes after the head guy. And I was uh, interested to know here, it, she refers to the guy as dead shot. And I'm thinking, but that's not that Floyd Lawton guy. So No, uh, no. I think uh, she's that, just saying that because you know, <laughs> he the, shot at her. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, he shot at the target, you know, like, he mm-hmm. thinks, you know, again, you know, the outfit is purposeful. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, no, I know it's not Floyd Lawton. But it is a funny chase because he, you know, like cuts right in front of a. Ch- I mean, it's a nice, like, car chase from a movie. Where the mm-hmm. bad guy like cuts right in front of a speeding train to block her, and then you know she's got to go in and and save the day, and you know allowing him time to to sort of get away, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And he's in this crazy little vehicle with treads and stuff like that too. I like it; it looks neat. Like the design, mm-hmm. I think, is really cool. Uh, on page six, there's a close up of his face because he's like, "Oh no, it's impossible!" Because he thinks he you know lost her because he you know like she got cut off by a train, mm-hmm. and I-, I love that panel. Uh, trains are cool in comics uh, and she oh, just yeah. jumps right in front of it and pushes and on the train and stops the train. And again, this is another, this is like a Superman moment for her, oh, yeah. which is great. I love it. This, this is really, really good moment for her. I like it. Well, they even say, I mean, the, the, you know, text box says muscles that make her far more powerful than a locomotive. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, cool. They're again, they're not hiding the Superman connection. But they're also not making her her defining identity, which I think is really cool. And then, you know, he tries to get away by driving up the side of a building, which is <laughs> ludicrous. <okay>. Yeah, cool. <laughs> OK, it's, I guess this is the bat, the Christopher Nolan Batmobile. And mm-hmm. she's like, nope, that's not going to work. I saw where you went and, you know, again, leaps up to grab him. And I love this moment because she's like, he's like, oh, now we're both dead. She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I'm not going to die. And he's like, no, you don't understand my vest. It's loaded with nitro. It's going to blow. We're going to be splattered all over the sidewalk. And she just like nonchalantly while falling down in the leap, pulls the vest off of him, chucks it in the water, you know, saves the day. But like, yeah, whatever. No skin off her nose. But I do like when he's like, now we're both going to die. And she's like, I'm not going to die. <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, that's not exactly the superhero banter you get. Usually you're used to getting in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Now we're both finished. And she goes, yeah. just, just you friend, not me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it's just like you said, just rips it off like it's paper. I love it. But at that point, I was like, yeah, what is up with this guy's vest? But then when he says it's, you know, little mini explosives all over the vest, I'm like, ah, now I get it. Well, and I have to say, and I don't know if I don't know if this was incidental, but the the middle panel at the top of that page of page six, where he's like, my vest is full of explosives before she rips it off. It's really evocative. The cover of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 of Spider-Man you know, swinging through, holding the guy and the guy's like arms and legs are akimbo. So it's, I I do think, again, I think Staten and Orlando are having a lot of fun in this comic of, you know, establishing who she is. They're almost treating this like her first appearance just Mm -hmm. in case. Cause you know, you know, you couldn't back then you couldn't know for sure if whoever picked this up had picked up, you know, super squad, you know, that whole little run. So, so it's fun. 
Yeah, and I do love the bottom right-hand corner panel there, like you said, when the, the vest is in the water and explodes. Kablam! And then the water splooshing. That is a really, really good panel there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, you know, Orlando and Staten, the thing that's really, really lovely about the art in this book, there's a million things they're doing well. The acting is really good. The action's really good. But their angles are cool. Like, like this does not... Mm-hmm. read like a simple comic this reads like a comic where the the two guys were at the top of their game yeah. and they are giving us angles they're giving us like top shots head shots side shots like you know the, i mean we don't have the keith giffen ankle shot but you know that's the only thing we're missing and it is it is really a well-drawn book it, it's it's a very compellingly drawn book I, I i have to like i can't compliment the art enough in this yeah and then she uh you know has a hold of the guy and uh, the, the fuzz shows up and you know they're <laughs> gonna take him to jail and uh, all these uh, reporters, media people come rushing over to her. And she's like, where did you all come from? And she's like, what do you want? And uh, this uh, Vincent guy goes, uh, just the facts, power girl. And they start, <laughs> question- they start questioning her. And I like her answer here because it's a good answer. You know, she's just like, I don't have to tell you anything. And uh, yeah. this Vin- Vincent says, you're wrong, power girl. The people of this city want to know your story. And I think they deserve it. And she kind of basically says, you don't give a crap what you think they deserve, pal. <laughs> she you know, picks them up and then, uh, you know, puts them on the top of a building, it looks like, and then just, you know, jumps away. Right. Well, and it's also, again, another really nice contrast to this is her lowest lane, right? Like this is the this yeah. is the reporter wanting the full story. And instead of, you know, I've got you, you know, you've got me who's got you cute meet cute moment. She's like picks him up by his, you know, scruff <laughs> and is like. Make sure you spell my name right, P-O-W-E-R-G-I-R-L, later, and, like, toss it to the <laughs> side. So, again, this is not your father's, you know, Kryptonian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. I like that. And, uh, again, I I did not actually have the vision to see that. But, yeah, good call on the uh, Superman-Lois kind of uh, dichotomy there. Really cool. I love the, that. <laughs> I have to say, considering this is a book about a baby who is sent from an exploding planet, <laughs> it lands on Earth with superpowers— <laughs> Becomes a superhuman, is fighting, you know, considering all the crazy things that happened in this issue, I have to say the part for me that was least believable was that she jumps away from this scrum of reporters and then just kind of lands in like a park somewhere mm-hmm. and is just thinking and then just goes to sleep on the ground. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I guess <laughs> yeah. that the 70s were a different time and place, but I don't. I don't think people were just pulling up a piece of, you know, park and going to sleep randomly in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, I have that in my notes. It just says, uh, uh, Vincent follows PG. She naps, question mark. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, like, okay. <laughs> it is weird. I mean, and I don't know that the nap was necessary because, you know, we, we need, they need to set up the flashback scene, which is the, the origin of Supergirl. It's, you know, mm-hmm. she's Kara Zor-El and, you know, the, the, uh, brother of Jor-El, you know, knows that the planet's going to explode. It doesn't have time to build a rocket to save everybody. So, you know, builds a rocket for one. She gets shunted off, you know, the two rockets escape Krypton at the same time. And I mean, and the, the picture of the baby <laughs> Supergirl in the <laughs> rocket seeing the planet explode is priceless. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I will, I did forget to mention there was just a one I guess it's a two panel interlude uh, on page the top of page eight where we don't see who this villain is who orchestrated uh, oh, yeah. the, the, the robbery attempt with these uh, the, this, you know, air quotes, dead shot guy and his uh, uh, little minions. 
But, you know, the guy is there and uh, he says, am I cursed that whatever I do, that woman uh, gets wind of my plans and destroys them? So it's obviously somebody that is saying he's, you know, had some interaction with her before. But, yeah, no, back to the uh, the origin here. I do like on page nine at the very bottom there, that bottom panel on page nine, it, it where, where her mother is very Silver Age uh, Supergirl yeah. there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, her mom looks just like Supergirl. And, you know, and there is a nice little continuity difference where you know they they the narration boxes talk about this is Earth two not Earth one and they say look here's the key difference on the Krypton of our Earth Kandor was shrunken you know the the bottle city of Kandor and mm-hmm. was stolen by Brainiac on this Krypton that never happened so instead of being from Argo City like our Kara Zor El is our Supergirl from Earth one mm-hmm. this Supergirl is actually from Kandor but Kandor was never the bottle city it was never shrunken which I thought was like oh that's a cool little touch like that's a nice difference. Yeah, that's a it's a good way to you know, like you said, separate a, a, an origin that's very Superman-ish, but just give it a little twist to it. And yeah, that, that that's cool. But uh, yeah, and I, like we said, we talked for just a quick second. I was gonna like say, yeah, what is this? This uh, you know, they call her Kara, and I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that Supergirl? So you did say at some point a few years later they do you know what is it around crisis time make a distinction like kind of for her origin to veer off. Yeah, so they do. Do you want us to do a little? Uh, maybe at the end of the issue, we'll do a little. What happens to whatever happened to the woman of tomorrow? Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the, this is a great. You know, two rockets explode from this Krypton, and you know she's again the baby's face is just. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, I do have to say one of my other favorite things about having this in floppy is that one of the the two ads that follow that page, one of them is a poster bonanza. It's three posters for $3 and it's Farrah Fawcett, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, John um, Travolta, the million dollar man, Donnie and Marie. So, you know, and then the the ad after that for um, uh, our buddy shag is make way for the very explosive first issue of firestorm by Jerry Mm. Conway and Al Milgram. So fury of firestorm, that first five issue series is, is coming soon. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I that's the that's probably my my biggest uh, uh, drawback of well, digital is, you know, the DC app, you know, not seeing the ads because there was a hostess ad in here, too. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like that's it, that and letters pages. It's so it's kind of a bummer not to get those. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I always prefer just I'm old school and, you know, and my kid will curse me when I leave this earth with, and she's got a, you know, million comic book boxes to go through, but, um, I still just love the feel of a comic book in the hand. And then, yeah, it's so hard to resist those ads and, you know, seeing the firestorm ad made me smile and it was, you know, just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've told uh, my wife and children that uh, when I croak, uh, they are to read one comic together in my honor every night. And they look at me like, yeah, right, pal. <laughs> <laughs> they can at least lie to you. They can at least be like, we will, we promise, and just side eye each other like, right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just have their hand behind their back with their fingers crossed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they do some of the caption boxes here, though, because she does wake up and say, wow, I dozed off for no reason. And they they do kind of allude to there being something special about this spot where she's at here, you know, like, hey, there's 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 something there that kind of, you know, caused this. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is, but that Vincent guy, he did follow her because, again, like you pointed out, she's not flying or running at super speed. She was just kind of like doing a Hulk and, you know, doing these tall leaps. Yeah. And then she fell asleep. So he caught up to her. But 
just as he catches up to her, she, you know, jumps away and he's there left to his own. But all of a sudden there's something going on and he's like, what? And it's like more on that later. And we go right <laughs> back to her back in the city. And here are those, uh, you know, more of those goons trying to uh, uh, rob something else. And it says the Gotham Department of Public Safety, which is hilarious. The public safety. Yeah, and exactly. Chaos going on there. I love that. <laughs> Well, and yeah, and she's, you know, she comes in and, and you know, more of these these guys, but now they've got these big machines and we get a great splash page. I, I have to, sorry, I have to point this out again. In the floppy, the big splash page, page um, 13, is opposite mm-hmm. a full page ad for Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Oh, so, great. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, just beautiful. So the the splash page of Power Girl wading in, you know, to these guys and and punching her way through you can tell there are moments where Staten does a little bit more of the lifting than Orlando and Orlando does a little bit more of the lifting of Staten. This is a Joe Orlando page. Yeah. Because if you look at the men in their, in the sci-fi costumes as they're being punched, they look like Joe Orlando art. They look Joe Kubert, like that old style scratchy, you know, 56, like they could be right out of an Adam strange comic from the early sixties. Mm-hmm. And even power girl is, uh, less muscular and voluptuous in this. Like she, like, mm-hmm. and her face is a little bit different than what we've seen the rest of the issue. So, so you can tell that Orlando probably really, you know, did a lot of the work on this. It's still a great splash page, but it's yeah. just funny how different it is from the splash page that opens the comic. Yeah. There were two things that really jumped out on this page to me. One is the, the robotic kind of things the guys are using are very war of the worlds. Oh Yeah. And then, the, like you're saying, that these guys, these minions here, and the cops, not necessarily Power Girl, but everything else going on there, it reminded me of, you know, uh, earlier work by George Tuska. Um, yeah, you know, oh, if you, if that's you, a good call. Yeah, yeah, his early Iron Man stuff. When, yep. when, when Luke Cage first started, it was George Tuska. That's kind of what this reminded me of. Yeah, that's a really good call, actually. The faces on the cops, they, do, they, they definitely look like Tuska. Yeah, there's just a... This pinup doesn't feel the same as the rest of the comic. The rest mm-hmm. of the comic, Staten's influence is more present. There's a little bit more of a cartooniness, you know, a Ramona Fraden-ness to a lot of the facial expressions. And that's completely absent from this splash page, which, and again, awesome art. And I mean, Joe Orlando's, you know, one of the all-time greats. So it's pretty cool. But it's also just cool, again, to see her wading into the bad guys and, you know, you know, unfortunately, and this is something she'll learn as she goes as a hero, fists first, you know, and she's not always going to be able to defeat enemies that way. But, you know, these guys aren't really going to put up that much of a fight. Yeah, no fear. That's one thing I love about Power Girl. Um, I do like the also the caption box uh, from uh, Paul Levitz here, too. It's uh, for a brief mo- for a few brief moments. Pandemonium rages Ray Blast bouncing off her steel hard skin. Power Girl at the center of the maelstrom creating havoc all around her <laughs> i love it that that you know you don't need that descriptor because you you get that from the artwork but i love purple prose so i love it it is really nice and then and what's really cool is on the next page you know she kind of you know it's, it's almost like a dungeon crawl in and D. she like you know defeats one room of bad guys goes to the next room and the next room they have these blasters and they're like blaster the boss wants her scattered stray atoms so, you know, the implication being these are like souped up energy blasters and mm-hmm. she, you can see her sweating for the first time. And then yeah. the letterer, Ben Oda, does a really good job because her words are labored. She yeah. has ellipses between like every other word. And it's a nice way to show that, hey, these things are hurting her, 
but she's pushing forward and she's going to win the day. So again, really undermine or underscoring, I should say, her toughness as a character. Yeah, and the layout of that page is absolutely phenomenal too. Why don't you speak on that? That's a really, really good layout. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's just her like slowly pushing forward against the beams, finally getting to the guys with the guns and crunching them and then just socking them and jumping in front of their escape. So really, really, I mean, again, the, the art in this is so good. It's just, it's such a weird team. It, it, it reminds me, so Joe Staten, um, I have a funny, Joe doesn't know this. I have a funny relationship with Joe. <laughs> Joe doesn't know, <laughs> doesn't know I exist. Um, where I first encountered Staten's art on Green Lantern core in the eighties. Mm, okay. And I hated, it was just too cartoony for me. Everybody had a triangular head. Everybody's, the, the, it was just way too loose and cartoony. I could, it, everybody looked like a lava lamp. I couldn't, oh, it yeah. freaked me out. It, it's gotcha. the same. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's an unfair cause it's his later work. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, so I wrote him off as an artist. I couldn't stand him. I didn't like him. And then the post-crisis Huntress series came out by Joey Cavalieri and Joe Staten on art. And Staten is is Bob Hall inks him part of the way, but J- Staten does a lot of the inking and coloring himself. And I call it his charcoal phase because mm-hmm. it's a lot of like charcoal style art where it still has his cartoony body shapes and head shapes, but everything is so dark and and it's and it's gorgeous. It's one of my favorite books of all time, and the art is transcendent. And so it's funny because after reading that, I, I gave him it. I was like, oh, I really missed the boat on this guy. This guy's actually phenomenal. And then I went back and discovered his 70s work and was like, oh, this dude is unbelievable. Like, he's one of the greats. Like, yes, yeah. he has a cartoony style, but I was judging him by, you know, his later in life work versus his prime. And, you know, he's he's amazing. So it's really fun to get to see this because this really is his prime. And then just to get to see him paired with somebody like Joe Orlando is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, like you said, other than that uh, spot there where they have those uh, souped up blasters that almost look like flamethrowers, they give her a little tiny bit of trouble. But other than that, like when she basically gets rid of those, the guys again are just no match for her. She uh, Mm -hmm. outpowers them and easily, you know, gets them out of the building and takes them down for the, the cops to kind of arrest them. But th- there's the, the the news people are there again. She calls them news hawks and they start <laughs> blasting her with questions. And uh, I love uh, the one guy says he's like kind of right in her face with a microphone. And she says, I thought I made myself clear earlier. I have nothing to say to your audience or to you. And <laughs> there's a close up on her face and she goes. You so-called news hawks are like a flock of vultures perched around <laughs> waiting for someone to die. And I'm like, huh? A little, little, uh, little, uh, little shot at your cousin and his wife. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, yeah. Uh, Superman's a news guy. Uh, yeah. Shot, shot below the belt there. <laughs> but awesome. again, it's such a subtle way to draw the difference between, you know, Superman's first meeting with the press. He's, oh, I'm just a humble man trying to do good. Power Girl's first real meeting with the press is like, back the hell off, <laughs> or I'm going to do a, a Hulk stomp. And open yeah. the crevice, you know, and, and basically she physically removes them, which is messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just like you said, smashes her foot onto the ground. And they all fall over like nobody gets hurt or anything, but it's enough to throw them off balance and let them know, like, hey, back off. Leave me alone. I'm not going to answer your questions. I, I like it. And she goes 
And if you'd like it, you can quote me on that. And the one yeah. guy's whole holding his hand. He goes, like he's got a headache. And then there's a, a guy. I love him here. He looks like he's a news reporter from like the 1940s. Oh, he looks like Herb Welch, the, the Bill Hader <laughs> character from Saturday Night Live. You know, the Herb is celebrating his 75th anniversary. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Bow tie and everything. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, all of a sudden, the one other guy, I don't think so. Look. Oh, my God. And we see uh, that reporter, that mm-hmm. Vincent guy. He is now flying towards Power Girl and blasting her with some kind of ray from this. I'm trying to think of how to describe this suit, it, like if there's a, a parallel. It's like a. It, it looks like an uh, early '70s Crimson Dynamo from Marvel. Yeah. Like a yeah. really thick. Like we haven't really narrowed down what a suit of armor would look like, so it's it's you know, it, he's got like a an old school astronaut bubble around his head, so you can see his face, but the rest of it looks like a you know. A leftover crimson dynamo yeah because i'm thinking to myself it's not like it has it's not close to iron man maybe the very first iron man armor except there's a bubble you know like a spacesuit bubble over the head instead of a metal mask like it's kind of hard to describe but yeah it looks looks very red and very bulky chunky kind of suit and you know it's taking her off guard and blasting her and then of course that's a really good panel it has like the, the cityscape in the background and a couple of the reporters really good stuff there right yeah, it's a nice last, you know, panel in you know before we they're they're like to be continued and you know the the kid says continue next issue when the symbio ship strikes and I'm like oh if they only knew what the word symbiote would eventually like that you know they're <laughs> yeah. they're, they're they have no idea that 20 years later that word would sell a million copies of a comic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not kidding. So, but yeah, that's that's the you know the last page there where they leave you on a cliffhanger and. You know, I, I did, you know, check out the next two issues because two more issues, you know, basically cover this storyline. It's like it's, a, mm-hmm. it's three issues of Showcase, which is pretty cool. And then, you know, Showcase is not long for this world after no. Power Girl leaves. You know, it's like what there's like a, the 100 issue, which is a very famous cover, you know, awesome yeah. cover with all the superheroes. And then it changes to Hawkman for three issues. I think I have 101 and 103. I still need 102. And then it finishes at 104 with like a, a war story, which is kind of weird. Yeah, like a reprint or a inventory story. Now, I'm not surprised by that because earlier in the show, I mentioned that there was an ad for Firestorm, the fi- the the series, the first Firestorm series, which only lasted five mm-hmm. issues. That's because the DC implosion yeah. is only about six months away. That, that Firestorm comic ends on issue five in the middle of a story, like it it's a it ends like it doesn't re- resolve. And, you know, the the DC implosion is is coming and Showcase is going to absolutely get caught up in that. So so I kind of knew this wasn't long for the world. But, you know, for what was a relatively short lived kind of run in the 70s where they, you know, they reboot the Super Squad, they get Power Girl. And then in the letters page of this issue, they're talking about the new Doom Patrol having looked having been in a recent issue. So, you know, Tempest and Celsius and and, you know, uh, Negative Woman. Just a you know, kind of a fun little time capsule of of history. And Celsius nowadays, all that makes me think of is like an energy drink that's out there on the shelves. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's you know, <laughs> I think she's still at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean from invasion. Yeah, like I don't think that I don't think they ever brought that character. She was, I mean, as as brusque as Power Girl could be, Celsius was like the first Karen. Like she was just awful. <laughs> she was. She was unredeemed. She was un- the most unlikable character ever, um, which sucks because she had a really cool power set. But so this is this is a super fun comic. And, you know, d- do you want me to do a little bit of a 
kind of peek ahead of what's coming for her. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you talk about that quick? Yeah, I'll just just uh, summarize really quickly. You know, so it becomes problematic, obviously, post crisis that she is the Supergirl of Earth Two because one, Supergirl died in crisis, and then you know would come back as Jello, you know, as, as sentient sentient Jello in the John Byrne Superman run. But there is no Earth Two. There is, you know, there there there's no such thing. Our Superman is the only Superman. But she's such a good character, they don't want to lose her. So they do what I think is super creative. I. I know not a lot of people loved it, and it gets a little bit derided, but Paul Kupperberg, um, who is a good dude, he's a good follow on Twitter, he wrote a mini in, I think, 87, a Power Girl four-issue mini, and I think Carrie Gamble does the art, which is awesome. Carrie Gamble's amazing. And it's a, a re, you know, Power Girl doesn't know her origin, she doesn't know where she comes from, and it turns out she is a descendant of Arion, Lord of Atlantis, and her powers are actually magic-based. So she becomes more of a draw for like magic based characters and kind of the way that that Captain Marvel Shazam can move in those spaces more than Superman does. That becomes kind of her M.O. And then she joins the Justice League Europe and is unfortunately depowered a little bit. She gets a couple of the worst costumes ever. There's a yellow (laughs) and white Twinkie costume. There's a blue and white headband costume. I wish I were joking about this. She has a mysterious like virgin pregnancy birth thing during zero hour. Oh, good career. I don't know that they are. I, I, for the life of me, I don't know that they ever resolved it. Like, I guess time got her pregnant. I don't even know. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't Jeez. Even, it, would be, it would be the worst TLC show ever. Like, I don't even <laughs> know how she ends up pregnant and, or how it gets resolved, but you know, and then she's just kind of in limbo for a while. And then in the, in the 2010s, Right, you know, as the as part of the build up to Infinite Crisis, which is is one of my favorite eras in DC ever. The build up to Infinite Crisis is phenomenal, and Jeff Johns and uh, Amanda Palmer they do a J- JSA classified arc. They start a new book, and the first four issues, I believe, are Power Girl, and it's her flat out being like, "This Atlantis thing doesn't make any sense. It's never made sense," and then realizing and remembering that she is the daughter of Krypton that Superman is her cousin and that Lois Lane was her, you know, her cousin in law, but they were like parents to her and, and starts remembering earth Two, which is part of what kicks off infinite crisis and the multiverse coming back. And, and now, you know, she's firmly affixed as the Supergirl of another earth now on our earth. And most recently, so the timing of this is really good. Uh, DC did this really dumb event called Lazarus planet where, you know, the Lazarus pits with Ra's al Ghul? Yeah. They, like, all combine into one volcano. like uh, And then, like, a sodium volcano you make when you're a kid, and somebody mm-hmm. pours the liquid in, and it explodes. And, <laughs> and, and, like, Lazarus resin, like, rains across the Earth, and it gives some people powers, and it changes some people's powers, and it's just really dumb. But anyway, they did a Power Girl story out of it by Leah Williams, who I really like. And she suddenly has psychic powers and like basically has to do like psychic therapy with Lilith from the Titans. The story's weird, but the the great result of it is the psychic powers eventually go away and she's left with her normal power set. But in the end, she reunites with the super family and, and realizes that she's been what's keeping them apart this whole time, that she's always felt kind of less than, and she's always felt like they were judging her. And they're like, we never were like, we love you. We we don't care 
where you're from. We want to be part of you. And even like Superboy, even Connor Kent's like, I'm a clone of Superman and Lex Luthor. And they welcomed me, you know, like, mm-hmm. of course they welcome you. And so it ends in a, and this was only like two weeks ago. It ends in a really cool space where it seems like moving forward. And there is a Power Girl mini coming. It seems like moving forward, she's going to carve out her own niche again, but as as part of the Superman family, which I know contradicts what I said earlier in this show where I like that she was a separate character. My fear is she won't have legs, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. stay in the in the consciousness, the comic consciousness, unless yeah. she's more closely attached to that that family. And so I'm excited for that because it's a character I love and I want to see her stay, you know sort of in the public eye. So, so yeah, she's, a, she's had a weird history, but you know, kind of a twist and turns, but now she's back to where she started as a, you know, really tough, rough and tumble, you know, daughter of Krypton from earth two, but living on earth one. And um, I'm excited to see what Leah Williams does with her. Cause I, I'm especially excited to see a, a woman writer and Leah Williams is one of my favorite writers, you know, really tackling her story. Yeah, and as you were talking about all this, I did quickly scroll through the app here, and I am seeing there is a 1988 four-issue series with Power Girl. Is that the one you were talking about? Yep, that's yeah. It's uh, Copperberg. I know wrote it. I think Kerry Gamble drew it. At the very least, Gamble did the covers. Yeah, maybe he might have done the covers. It's giving credit, I think, for interiors to uh, Rick Hoburn. Okay, I know Gamble because the the first cover is a really famous one of her like fist up in the air and bullets bouncing off of her but that's yeah. a fun four issue mini that that ties her directly back to Arion Lord of Atlantis. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm definitely going to check that out cuz uh, mm-hmm. uh, again, I don't I, I need to uh, brush up on Power Girl. It's uh, this this is really other than like I said the uh, JSA Super Squad. This is the only Power Girl I've read. So uh, I definitely uh, want to check those out. But yeah, thanks for uh, you know uh, let me uh, in on all that stuff because yeah, I just it's a character that's really a blind spot for me, even, you know, a lot of DC characters are, but uh, especially a little, you know, uh, some more of the, I don't want to say more ancillary, uh, uh, but anything aside from like the big seven kind of Justice League or whatever you want to call. Uh, and I, I really just read a ton of like horror and stuff like that. So a lot of the more prominent DC characters are, uh, you know, not uh, uh, ingrained in my brain of you know, what their uh, backgrounds are. And it just always struck me as like, I was reading the origin of this and I'm like, wait a minute, her name's Kara. How is her name Kara? I thought that was, <laughs> <laughs> thought that was well, Supergirl. So, and it, it's funny because I, you know, I, I collected comics before crisis, but I was not a huge DC fan prior to crisis. I, I found DC comics to be kind of stayed and, and stale. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know, I collected some like, you know, the Perez teen Titans and stuff like that, but you know, never was into Superman, wonder woman, any of that stuff. And then crisis, lit the fuse for me. And so I remember being young and hearing people, you know, complain and moan about what crisis did to their favorite characters, including power girl, power girls, like the poster child for crisis, having screwed up a character. And I remember being like, you know, eh, wah, wah, you know, crisis is awesome. Stop complaining. And then new 52 happens and it screws up Tim Drake and Wally West and like my favorite characters. <laughs> and this time I was the old man yelling at clouds. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I'm, I'm getting a taste of my own medicine. But it's, you know, the, the beauty of comics is it all always comes back around. And, you know, here we are 2023, you know, 35 years after this issue is published and, and we're getting a, you know, relaunch of the power girl that, you know, is not so different from who appears in this comic. Yeah, no matter how much any of us want to admit it or not, we eventually do become the Grandpa Simpson. It just oh my god! <laughs> at yeah. some point, old man yelling at clouds. Yeah, 
where yep. I wore an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. <laughs> uh-huh. Just like it reminds me of that uh, scene in the, the Breakfast Club when they're all sitting there talking and they're just like, uh, we're never going to be like our parents. And yeah, Modem's like, yeah, yeah, you will be here. Don't yeah. fool yourself. And the harder <laughs> you try to, to make that not happen or let that not happen, uh, the more it's going to happen. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's it's 100 percent true. And, you know, comics are a great reminder of that. But man, this issue is so much fun. And and I am actually especially glad that that she's, you know, back with a series right now it just feels like nice timing yeah absolutely so well thanks for joining me for this one man i'm, I'm glad you were able to uh, you know find some time to get me into your schedule i know it's real busy with your new job and everything but this was a blast man thanks for joining me here i love it yeah thanks for having me and thanks for suggesting this issue i don't think this is a character i have ever talked about on a podcast and so mm. this was a ton of fun and again this was a comic i hadn't read in 30 years and you know, so it was a it was a blast to dive back into this and and you know back into her character and her history and uh, you know and obviously I love the show and I love being a part of the show and so anytime I can participate it, it it's awesome so thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's looking to find you out there, I know uh, while it lasts uh, as of yeah. this recording, you know Twitter's like you know in flames here, but <laughs> you can. Be I mean, found who there, even right? knows what Twitter's going to do next? Like you know, the, all of a sudden there's like a tweet limit on how much you can see, and then like I, I mean, yeah, it's I really I can't even imagine what the next weird self-imposed mm. destructive thing is going to be from Twitter. It's gonna, I mean, it's just crazy. But you know, so anyway, yeah, I, I guess I'm technically still on there at, at, at Sean Four Two A Z and. Um, you know, and, and I'm making my way. I, I, like I said, I took a hiatus from podcasting. I'm on the pulp to pixel podcast network, but, uh, making my way back through guest spots and, and getting the, getting my Jones back for podcasting. So I'll, I'll be back soon. Yeah. Fantastic. That's a, that's what everybody should look forward to. And, you know, pulp to pixel network. And you did come back here with a little, uh, uh spot on the bat pod as well. Everybody mm-hmm. can look for that as well. So, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're slowly starting to creep back in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like mold. You just can't, you know. <laughs> you got rid of me. Oh, <laughs> fan- back. That's fantastic. So, all right. Well, like I said, once again, thank you for joining me, Sean. This was a blast. Loved having you back, and hopefully, can uh, you know uh, sneak into your schedule somewhere in the near future, and we can uh, knock something else out too. Yep, definitely. Thanks, man. All right, thanks. That's awesome. So uh, that's going to get us out of here, and uh, be back in uh, two weeks for another episode. Do you remember your first comic book? Do you remember the first time you held a cover in your hand and you flipped the pages? You read the adventures of these amazing heroes and you really fell in love with the medium. The first time you bonded a character to a team, to a company, and you knew, yep, I'm in this for life. Well, so do we. So join us on the never-ending reading pile from the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where we proudly don our nostalgia goggles, we dive into our favorite comics, our favorite eras, our favorite characters, our favorite creators, and we just bask in the glory that is being a comic book collector. Come join us and help us chip away at the never-ending reading pile.